think I'm on now, right? Don't don't mess with me, Tom. All right, let's get started. So, um, I'm kind of looking forward to this tonight because you know it's it's not an opportunity that I get to do a whole lot to. to to speak or teach a class in here. I am looking forward to it. Um, I've been a little bit of disadvantage because I haven't got to hear all the other guys who've gone before me, which uh, I went back and watched a lot of the YouTube phenomenal. Um, but this is this is my chance to talk with you all. Um, and let me just let me just start off by saying we're going to continue with what we've been talking about as far as judges. I know last week Robert talked to you about um, the Book of Ruth. We're going to break into 1 Samuel tonight and talk about Eli, specifically the failures of Eli, uh, where he went wrong. And I'll confess, I knew the story. I know this, I've heard the story, uh, high-level story of Eli. And it wasn't until I really started studying for this class that I realized there's so much more to that than just the story. And being a parent and a father even more makes the story that much more impactful to me. Uh, but let's let's get into it. We'll talk. We'll we'll start off with uh, chapter one. We're going to be in chapter one through three tonight. And I want to get your feedback. I want to get your uh, your comments, your thoughts, because obviously, like I said, it's something that I've just really started to understand myself studying. So I know there's a lot more that I don't know that. Right now, I feel like maybe I have a better understanding than I did, but I think after this class, I'll have even greater understanding. So I want to start with uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to just read uh, verses 1 and 2 to kind of set it for us a little bit, and then we'll get into it. There was a certain man of, and don't let me mess these, I'm going to mess these names up, but you're just going to have to deal with me. Um, Ramathiam. Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. There's a significance, I think, in the in just starting this off with where uh, he's pointing this out to us, where this is being pointed out, where we have a, one that has children and one that does not have children. What would be the significance of that and being? Uh, I mean, what's the purpose? Why point that out in in the very beginning of this? What are your thoughts? What's the significance of not having children in that day and time? should be right so not being able to have children and not having children just it just it was a it was almost a, a disgrace in some ways it was like something was wrong with you um, and so therefore you were as Roger said you were just less than what you were expected to be people that's right like there was a reason why they couldn't couldn't have children so I think that's significant why we point this out and all of this is you know we're gonna have we'll move through this a little bit faster in a second but for the setting it's uh, this all leads into the importance of where we're going to end up tonight and where we're going to end you know where the, the next class is going to take it as well all right so 
that's the significance. So there's no children and there's children. There's there's two wives. Elkanah, he seems, uh, yeah, as we go through this, he seems to be you know a, a faithful man. But we don't really know a whole lot about him. But we know that he has the two wives. One's faithful. He does seem to show a little favoritism. But we don't really know. Uh, to the extent. So in verse 3 he says, Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. I'm just going to point out, I don't know if you guys have ever paid attention, but I paid attention when I read it. Maybe you have how many times LORD in all caps, and I don't know if it's in your Bible or in mine, how many is in this first, this first chapter. But anyway, sorry to chase that rabbit. The Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On that day, when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, through the, though the Lord had closed her womb. After her, and her rival, who would her rival be? The other wife. The other wife, right? That seems weird, right? That, that, that's, that's her rival. There, yeah, that, that's, that just caught my attention, too. But the other wife is her rival, and that, that'll, that'll come up here a little bit more as well. Um, to his wife and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievous, grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Um, I'm, you know, anyway, we'll move on. We'll talk about that. If you have any comments or questions as we go through this, please just stop me or just, just start talking and say it out loud in case I'm looking down. So it went on year by year. Um, what's the significance of year by year? Just keeps going on year by year. Uh, but also, there's a there's a point in a minute that I think, and maybe you all can enlighten me a little bit more on it, but I, I kind of picked up on it myself here in a minute. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? I'm going to stop there for a second. The thought of being in that position where you felt like you had a rival and you felt like there was something against you and you felt like you were the lesser of everything, maybe at some point in our lives we've been in that position where we feel like maybe we're we're not the ones who are um, the most highly thought of or the most sought after or something uh, and there's, you know, whether we think this is a reason that we've done it to ourselves or it's just a byproduct of our situation, of whatever it is. But I think that what we'll learn here in a minute is, you know, just because the world may think that of us, it mean that that's what God thinks of us. Right. Yeah, it's a competition. You're right. It's so... Uh, you know, one's looking at the other as, you know, where they're both competing kind of for the same position in that family hierarchy there, and one's able to have children, and the other one's not, so it immediately puts one feeling at a disadvantage. And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat. This is where we get introduced to uh, Eli a little bit more, Okay. So the whole class, obviously, tonight is going to be about the failure of Eli. So that's where we're, we're getting into this right now. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the door of the temple of the Lord. 
She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on, my, on the affliction of your servant and remember me not to forget your servant, but will give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. You imagine, so we're just we're we're getting a glimpse of Eli here right now, but imagine wanting something so bad and want you know, just wanting it so much. You're praying for it, you're praying for it, and but you're willing to give it up as soon as you get it. Like I've never been in that situation where I've wanted something so much that I would promise to give it up as soon as I was getting. Uh, but that's how much she wants this. She knows what she's asking for, and she prays, and she knows that the power of God and and uh, you know she knows what she's asking for here. She knows what she's trying to do. And as she continued praying, and this is where I think we start to get a, a little bit of insight into who Eli is as a priest. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you, be, will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, and I have not been pour- I've been pouring my soul out before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. All along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you gave him, or that you made to him. And he said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. This is our first glimpse into who Eli is as a priest. And there's, there may be multiple ways to look at him, or maybe you don't see it the same way I do in this situation. But how discerning is Eli as a priest? What evidence do we have about how discerning he is as a priest and as a, a, a holy in that paragraph? Any ideas? Any comments? He's on the decline. How so? Like what? He's not perceiving the situation. That's that was my point. He made assumptions. He made assumptions. He sees someone. I mean, a lot of us will pray that way. Sorry, that's me. A lot of us will pray that way. Like some of us will pray silently in our heads, right? There's and some of us will pray verbally out loud. She's combined the two. She's she's praying through with her heart, and she's spilling her heart out about this. And she's moving her lips, but she's just praying in her own space, in her own place right there. She's giving everything that she's got to the Lord in prayer, and nothing's coming out. But he perceives it as, go ahead. That's a good point. Hadn't thought about that. So maybe this is something that maybe he's, it's common to think that it, there's all this wickedness going on. Maybe Eli's seen people drunk in front of. Yeah, so... I, I see what you're saying. My what caught me off guard is that's his first thought, though. He looks at her and says, "She's drunk," just because she's sitting there praying, but just her lips are moving. So. That's right. But even. 
this. Maybe he can help her. And then he, he asks her. He talks to her. He approaches her. He speaks to her. And she says what she says to him and explains what she's doing. And then it's like that priestly duty comes out of him at that moment. You know, that, that quality comes out. But yet his first impression is, this lady's drunk. Get up. Why are you still drunk? To see her. And so maybe he felt that that was common, that, you know, there might be a lot of people here who are drunk during this time. Is that what you're kind of leading into? Okay. That's right. That's right. Uh, there, you know, it could have something to do with, with his age or the things that he's seen or done. But that was my impression. Of when I, The first impression I got from him is, is he a very discerning person to not be able to recognize someone who's pouring their heart out about this. But obviously he can't hear her in the words that she's saying. But that's, that's, what, uh, that's what happened. All right, so... Um, he tells her then, uh, let's see, uh, she left. Uh, then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad after what he told to her. So, you know, here's what she's thinking. You know, I'm praying for this. I'm praying my heart out. I, The priest acknowledges what I'm saying and what I'm doing here, and he blesses me, I guess, as much as, as, as can be done here. And it says, let the servant find favor in your eyes. And then the woman went on she left there believing that this was going. Um, and they rose early in the morning and they worshiped before the Lord. Uh, then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she, asked, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Here's a question that I have for you. We all pray for things every day we pray things some things we pray harder for than others some things are bigger things we might pray for small things we might pray for large things uh, we might pray for things that we don't even those prayers are answered and i believe this was mentioned not long ago when our prayers are answered do we remember the prayers that we've answered or that have been answered do we remember the prayers that we've prayed and the things that we've asked for enough to once it they're answered I have to admit, sometimes I might do that myself, where I'll pray for something and then I'll forget that I've prayed for it, or I'll pray for it even if I don't forget that I've prayed for it, because it's no longer an issue in my life. And now I've got what I what I wanted. Have I forgotten about where that? Has been? And so I think it's a challenge for us all to remember the prayers that are answered, and we'll see that uh, Hannah remembers the prayers that are answered uh, for her. Um, moving on, chat, or verse 21. Can somebody else read 21 through the end of the chapter there for me so I don't have to read everything? Thanks, Jeremy. So that's the example. Or that's the, that's the, the finish of what I was talking about is, you know, she, she prayed. She got what she was praying for, and she kept her commitment. She kept her promise to God, just as, as she requested from him. Um, she, you know, she was prepared to uh, hand over her son to Eli to, to, or to, serve, to be a servant to the Lord. Um, again, that's got to be something that's I, – I, I, I can't imagine what that's like to – 
to pray for something so hard and, and, and want something so bad and just to give it up. When you ask something from, from God, we need to be prepared. Whatever we say that in our prayers that we're going to do in response to an answered prayer, that's the way it needs to be. And it's not next week, is it? It's not the next week. Like, I don't know exactly how old this child is, but it ain't next week. Um, this is this is years, right? This is years. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that it tells us, or I don't know that we can uh, understand how old the child is. But you know, I, I've not weaned any children myself. Uh, but I would say that you know they're still young, right? And you're you're handing them over. I mean, I've I've got children, but I didn't do the way. Um, Anybody got any comments or questions as far as, as where we're at right now and what they see out of Eli or what they see out of uh, Hannah? I mean, we don't also don't want to forget El- Elkanah in this whole thing. He seems like a, 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 re- a fairly religious uh, guy. He, feel, he seems like somebody who's trying to do the right things. He's very respectful of, of the Lord. He's respectful of his obligations. He's respectful of his wives. Um, Daryl? Yeah. So you're you're thinking maybe you sense a little bit of, or there could be perceived reluctancy on her part, maybe. But we don't have anything that says that yet. But you're saying that that might be where you know he's kind of making sure that that's not an issue. He's yeah. like, listen. That's right. Remember what you asked for and what you got. That's right. Um, chapter. Uh, we're moving into chapter two. And I think this is where uh, we'll start to get into a little bit more about who Eli is. But first, we're gonna we'll go through Hannah's Hannah's prayer. Um, do I have any volunteers to read Hannah's prayer out loud? Uh, I think it's a good one to hear. There are some questions that I had to myself, and I've asked questions about it. Um, just reading it to myself a couple of times, I, I thought to myself. Is she praying with someone here, or is she praying, you know, is there some something that's going on here? But, you know, my eyes have been opened a little bit after discussing with other people. But can I get someone to read that prayer? I think it's I think it's good to hear it. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. I appreciate it, Rob. Um, what are your thoughts about her prayer? When you hear that read out loud. Is there anything that catches your eye or catches your ear, I guess, about that prayer? Because it did mine, but not to like the second or third, third time. Is there anything? Yeah, it, it covers it covers all the bases, right? Anything else? Yeah. I agree. I think you I think you see that. Uh, that's right. She's she's calling out everything that she's she's witnessed personally. Yeah I, yeah, I can see it that way, too. Um, you guys are way better Bible scholars than I am. Uh, and w- when I look at this, I, I see little things. Like, I, I, I agree with you what you're saying, but I even saw the, the little things about it. Uh, when I pray, do I pray He? Do I pray the Lord? Or do I pray And that, that caught me for a second. I was like, well, is, there, is there a significance to that? And so I had to ask, and, and Neil, if you don't mind to share what it is that you kind of helped me understand with that, is it, I thought, is, is she praying 
is she praying with Samuel like there before she leaves or something? Is it is this how she's doing this? But do you have comments on the prayer? So it's like on one hand, and I know we'll get into it more, but a lot of you already know the story. You know, Eli's like the bad father. He doesn't do the right things with his kids. But Hannah's like the good mother. And so it's the opposite of that. So she's she's doing the things and she's doing what everything she has to do and make the sacrifice that she's making uh, to make sure that her son, and she's right in, in the side, whereas what we learn here in just a minute is Eli is, is not. So, you know, while we read these pieces of scripture here, we look at it as Eli, the bad father, and also look at it as Hannah, the, the good, you know, she's, She's doing something that's uh, that's unbelievable because if it from what I gather from the scripture, I mean, after she takes him there, she's on. That's that's. But she's she's doing it because she knows it's the right thing to do. Um, any questions or anything like that? For all right, so we're going to move on into. Um, then Elkanah went to Ramah, and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. And I think that's something that you'll notice continues to be mentioned in the scripture as we're going through this. So, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. I mean, they just come right, it just comes right out and says it, right? The sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that any man was that uh, when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servants would come. While the meat was boiling, a three-pronged fork in his hand, so this is all custom, and he would thrust it into the pot or kettle or cauldron, or, or, and that fork, whatever that fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites that came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, this is where they get wicked. This is where we learn about where, how they're how they're so wicked. More, moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, "Give meat for the priests to roast." What's already wrong there? They're supposed to boil it, right? Not roast it. They wanted it to roast it. It's supposed to be boiled. And it's supposed to take it from there. All right. For they will not accept boiled meat from you, only raw. And if the man said to him, let them burn the fat first, then take as much as you wish, he would say, no, you must give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. So these are the priests coming to the people who are making the sacrifice and holding that whole sacrifice pretty much in contempt by just not obeying it and doing what they want. Obviously, that's wrong. That's easy to see that that's a bad, like that they're doing wrong here. One of the things that I thought in my mind is, how does this affect those that are bringing the sacrifice? What does that do to them and their faith? And then what is that in their minds when this is, is happening to them to make their sacrifice and the priests are doing this. What are your thoughts about that? You're, they're looking at these people like these are the these are the PDS down the the right path. They're supposed to know what to do. They're supposed to know what to do, and it's not, I, I I think they did know what to do. They just are doing what they wanted to do. Yeah, and that's why they're they're so bad. But 
you know, I think about it sometimes when us as Christians, if we're us as Christians, uh, you know, and as fathers and leaders in our house, uh, parents of children know, or just with our co-workers or our friends, and we know what the right things to do. And maybe, do we always do right? Do we always give off the vibe, the right attitude, the right response, the right, the love and the, the care that's supposed to be shown by being a Christian to people or and maybe misrepresent in, in who Christians are supposed to be. I mean, I, I'll, I'll let you know right now that I guarantee you 100%. I don't always act like I'm supposed to, no matter how much I try. And there are times when, you know, I get frustrated or times that I'm upset or I'm, you know, sad about something or I might say something or I might do something that could give off the impression to someone who... And, I try to make sure that that doesn't happen as much as possible, and I think we all, um, you know, they were they were going to. I'm sure that had a tremendous effect on their faith. I mean, we don't we don't know. We hear them kind of talk back to them a little bit as far as arguing. The, the they didn't they didn't really have a, a chance. They're 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 messing it all up. They're messing it all up, and they're messing it up. You know, they're it's like they don't even care. For a, period, a, a long period of time, that's what the problem. That's where the problem lies. Is they're allowed to keep doing that, and um, you know, we too, as Christians, we know what the right things to do are, and we need to make sure that we're doing those things. Um, Samuel was ministering. Let me see. Did I leave off here? Um, Samuel was ministering before the Lord. A boy clothed, and Samuel was ministering. So even after we hear about what they're doing wrong, which finishes up here in this spot here, Samuel was ministering before the before the Lord. A boy clothed with a linen ephod, and his mother used to used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer a yearly sacrifice. Which then again made me think, man, she only she's only seeing her son once a year. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked for the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel, again, the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. And then I look back, so I, I had to ask a question about this because I wondered if in her prayer was that, you know, now I look at it, even as I'm reading it to you now, I, re- I recognize the, the, the folly in my thinking was, I thought, is she referencing when she says the baron has born seven? Is that how many that she's already born? But this is coming after, you know, this statement here is after that. But again, seven, what's the significance with the number? It's perfection, right? So barren goes from, from barren to perfection in part of her prayer is how I, I see that. Um, all right, so now let's get into Eli, or we're going to run out of time. Um, Eli and his son. So, does Eli? Let me just ask you: If you already know what the story is about, is Eli fine? Is he, or is he oblivious to what his sons are doing? He knows what. How does he know? Sounds like you all know. Obviously, you know it better than I do. So, how does he know? Like, how do we know that he knows? He's getting reports. People are telling him. It's constant that people are telling him, hey, your sons are doing bad things. What are they doing? Besides besides 
this besides the contempt for the sacrifice? What else does it say they're doing? They're immoral. They're what? Yeah, and they're sexually immoral, right? They're doing things with the the ladies outside the tabernacle that they're not supposed to be doing. And to speed this up a little bit, it's gone a lot faster than I thought. To speed this up a little bit, Eli's completely aware of this, but he chooses to, you know, he rebukes them and he says, you know, you shouldn't be doing that, but he doesn't do anything about it. And if he's not going to do anything about it, that's that's where the failure is. Um, and so in, in chapter 3, about, can I get somebody to read chapter 3 for me real quick? So he's already older. He can't hardly even see now, right? Okay, go ahead. Thanks, Stephen. I'm not sure if uh, you know what that means to you, but it seems like there's no frequent vision. There's no. He's not communicating with them anymore. It's like he's God has stepped away almost from them at a bit uh, for a bit, and um, it, it's it's you can see the obvious plan that God has, and it starts to develop in this. Um, this section here, um, but the Lord actually reaches out not to Eli at this point. He's reaching out to Samuel. This is where he starts. You know, this is where Samuel really comes into play. Samuel hears it, and he's actually afraid to talk to Eli about it. And what I think is, what I hear in that, in that one portion there, where kind of says, "You tell me what he said, or it's going to do bad." Th-. You know, it's like there's arrogance still in his voice a little bit there as he's talking to Samuel. And Samuel, um, you know, finally uh, tells him, uh, you know, what it is that that's going to happen to him. And then the the point that got me the most, I think, at the end of this is where Eli says, "It is the Lord. Let him do what he what he what seems good to him." Almost as like, and I just I just picture it's like, let the Lord see what it's good to him. Like he's still no regard for how what he should do. He's not making a plea. He's not trying. He's not trying to intercede anywhere. He's just saying, hmm. You know, it's the same way he's done with his kids the whole time. Uh, he's just like, eh, you know, they shouldn't be doing that, but oh well. So I guess, you know, I know the bells ring, but I, I want to ask these questions real quick. If you think about, you know, why did God decide to kill those two people individually, the things that I have written down are, um, you know, they they were there was an abuse of power. Um, they were disobedient. Eli's fault was the lack of correct the lack of correction with his sons. And as parents, uh, and even uh, you know, as grandparents, that's a place where we need to make sure that we're always on top of that. And you know, that correction needs to come with love. To be um, it needs to be gentle, but it needs to be there. And, um, you know, the, some of the reasons why he failed, I'm going to run through these kind of quickly, is maybe he's too preoccupied with his position. Maybe he refused to face the seriousness of the problem, and uh, he, re- he failed to respond when he was parents at some point. There's three right there <coughs> land on us. Uh, so it's important to us as, as parents and as fathers especially that you know we need to invest in our children not just not just with money obviously but with our time we need to lead our households uh, and I know that this is past them at this point but 
um, the household. Whatever that is, how we do that, we need to do that, and we don't just need to do uh, better about that. So we need to talk with our children. We need to listen lovingly to our children, not just listen to them and they got something going on and be ready to just pounce on them uh, about whatever they're going to say. And we need to be consistent with our correction. These are the things and these are the reasons why his sons were killed and uh, his household was destroyed. So thank you all very much. <laughs>